radiating from the Lone Star State and stretching from coast to coast and border to border. This is On Radio, the weekly download from your family of companies, CMS Wireless, Entertech, ET Tower, Legacy, and Mountain Wireless. Welcome to On Radio. Awesome. Good morning and hello, Antipity family. I'm your host, Jim Tracy, and we are so grateful that the podcast is growing and thriving because you are listening. And uh, we love hearing from our employees, their families, and even an occasional competitor and supplier about how much they're enjoying the things that we're putting out on the air. And I'm uh, grateful to uh, Ethan for doing that for us. But if you have feedback on a topic or, or you just need us to know something that we should be hitting, just shoot out an email to onradio at ontivity.com and we'll be right back with you. So the wireless industry is a very small one and I've spent some time with today's guest. I've been waiting and waiting to have him on the show um, because I read a book that he wrote and I've, I've never, uh, I've never like hung out with Seth, but I've, but I've, but I've hung out at trade shows and stuff like that where we're always working but he never, and I never really had a chance to sit down and talk very much. And we did so recently on his podcast, and he's doing me a favor by coming onto ours. So the first thing I'm going to do is say, I'm going to hold this up and say, this is a book from our guest who is an author. It is called and entitled Ambition, Leading with Gratitude. Folks, help me welcome Seth Bueckley, who is an author, a podcaster, and serial entrepreneur, Good, bad, and ugly, all sides of that argument. Uh, welcome, Seth. How are you? I'm doing great. That was such a warm welcome. Uh, I can only imagine how awesome this conversation is going to be, Jim. So thanks for those, uh, those, those accolades. Let's roll. You know, Seth, I, I was enthralled because you wrote a book that looks a lot like a lot of our family businesses here at Ontivity. Yeah. And we approach things the, much the same way because we're both men of faith, and uh, and we and we kind of wear it out there. We risk it a little bit by putting it out there, but we also are rooted in family businesses. That's where our first our first uh, deep experiences uh, comes from, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, sometimes people will look at the, all the different things I've had a chance to do. You know, and they'll kind of express, wow, you know, you must be smart or something like that. And I'm like, actually, I had a really unfair advantage is that I had a father that was an intentional mentor to me. And I recognize that. It, it doesn't mean he like, like I was a silver spoon baby or, you know, everything was handed to me. But but I also acknowledge, listen, I was given opportunities and I, I didn't dream them up as a kid. I actually had a dad who created some of those opportunities for me. And I had I had the privilege of stepping into those. So that was a lot of fun, <laughs> really meaningful for me. And so the expectations of your performance were higher than they were for other people who were your near peer group, aren't they? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was uh, not just expectations uh, around my role. I think it was rooted in the family. It's like we are one. And it was an interesting story. And in, in the book, I highlight this, that, that my dad uh, was in a religious commune where I was grown. I, I grew up for years and years and years. He built businesses, and then he left right in his, like, his 40s, I think it was. And so he started again from scratch. And so I had a chance to join him in this relaunch of him starting a new business. And then, you know, you fast forward, we ended up selling the business. And it's the first time either of us had had significant, uh, you know, financial rewards or wealth of any kind. And so I, I got to really experienced that stuff with my dad in many ways as a peer. Um, 
which is pretty unique because it wasn't just he was the the grand mentor in the tower saying, you know, son, I've had all this success and now I'm going to teach you the key principles of life. You know, it was more like we were running together and learning together, um, which was pretty special. Yeah. And so um, there's two things that are almost countercultural in this book. One, you talk about ambition. It's the title of the book. And um, when you talk about ambition, you don't talk about it as a good thing and you don't talk it as a bad thing. It's just a thing. Is that accurate? It is a thing. And um, it took me a while to figure out that I had hardwiring. And I think also some nurture from my dad, who was an entrepreneur. But I had hardwiring. Like, I wanted a challenge. I wanted to make a difference. If somebody said, that's not the way it's always been done, that to me was just an invitation to try to find a new way. And I didn't understand that uh, early on. And, and over time, I began to kind of get a sense of that's not entirely normal. There are people that are looking to stay safe, and then there are people that are looking to make a difference, and that I had hardwiring around. I just wanted to kind of go. And but learning over time that that natural bent I had could be very destructive if I didn't learn to contain it. And I often use the analogy of fire. It's like ambition is fire. We, we, nobody would say at this stage of history that fire is a bad thing. But we all know what happens when fire breaks containment. And then it's a really bad thing. And so the ambition is, a, is, is fire. But it has to be constrained in order to be useful. You know, um, as I as I look uh, at your description of that, uh, one of the things I love is that is that you have habitually uh, taken and driven that, uh, driven being a key word, but you've driven that to put other people who surround you in a position to be successful. And so uh, a lot of people would say that that is nurturing. A lot of people would say that is mentorship. But I've watched the people who are around you, and you're actively doing that. Why, why is that so important? You know, I think um, I think we all want to leave a legacy. We all want to have a big impact. I mean, you've got a legacy <laughs> in your company, right? Um, but And even in today's era of influencers, right? So an influencer is making a video and it's going viral and all these people are seeing it, but are they really, are they really impacting those people in a way that is, that is meaningful? Um, and, and where I'm going with this is sometimes we can have this overall life ambition of, Hey, I'm going to make this huge difference. I'm going to change the world. And what I had found Jim and I kind of had this epiphany is like, you know, am I going to sit in my smartphone and surf, all of the treasure trail, I called it like this, uh, this, uh, you know, curio shop of stuff that's available in my smartphone. And I'm going to ignore the people in my own family. You know, it's like I'm going through this pawn shop on my smartphone of all the stuff that's out there and thinking somehow I'm going to engage the world. And at the same time, the people that I actually live with, the people I actually spend time with, Am I, am I thinking intentionally about how I'm making a difference for them? Because those are the people I'm actually going to impact. And so the, the, the short version of that answer sounds like I probably can't change the world, but I know that I can impact the people around me that, for whatever reason, 
God has orchestrated there in my universe. And I might not even like them all, right? But it doesn't matter. It's like I'm there to, I'm there to be part of them, and they're part of me. And, you know, so it's, you know, there's lots of opportunities. And so really beginning to see the impact that we are going to be most proud of is going to come from hand-to-hand interaction with people at the grassroots level, uh, not not on a stage or not with this big internet thing, most likely for most of us. Well, we're all a work in progress, and uh, and I am so grateful um, for you and the example you are to our wireless industry, and that brings up another topic. Um, I read this book and I thought, man, this reminds me of something. What is it? And my mom, during the last decade of her life, um, became the most grateful person that I've been around. And then you extol that as a active practice, a virtue, a, a, a really a defining activity in your life. Talk to us about how you discovered why it would be good to be grateful. Yeah, I kind of got there the hard way, uh, unfortunately, in that, uh, you know, I had some early success, sold a business to a public company, had more money than I ever thought, and and then actually started making some choices and living in ways that didn't line up with what my values were. And I kind of had to own that reality. And as I was asking myself those hard questions, you know, how have you screwed up your life? (laughs) Like you feel like you've screwed it up. Um, you know, there's those moments where you're just kind of quiet and you're, you're, you're kind of sobered, not that I was an alcoholic or anything, you're sobered, like asking really meaningful questions. And, you know, I believe in those moments that those are times where God speaks to you, people could call it the universe, whatever. But for me, I came to the very clear conclusion that I was not being grateful, that, I, you know, here's a kid, I had skipped college, married my high school sweetheart, went into a family business, I tell people everything but join the circus, you know, there's no real reason I should be uh, as successful uh, as as I was in my early 30s, yet I was still chasing things uh, that I knew didn't line up with, with what I believed. And I kind of had to come to grips with that at a just a core level of, and I remember this question in my mind is like, do you want people to think you're a man of integrity or do you actually want to be a man of integrity? And those things happen kind of simultaneously of this epiphany around um, being real and, and needing to appreciate how far uh, I had come, what I'd come from and what I'd been given, and to maybe relax a little bit. So instead of striving so hard to get more and more and more, but to just tr- chill out a little bit from a perspective of, listen, all the good things in your life, you didn't earn them. So if that's true, then I don't have to strive to keep them to get them. I I could just relax a little bit and begin to say, listen, I'm playing with house money at this point. I'm already way better off than I ever thought I would be and could be and should be. And I'm not talking about money. I'm just talking about the quality of my life. And then now I can go pursue the work and pursue the other activities I'm pursuing from this place of gratitude for what is, what I've been given, as opposed to this trying to fill this endless bucket, which as you know, it's bottomless. I mean, you can get more stuff, more experiences. Yeah. You never end. There's always a bigger boat around the corner. There right? is. I call it the curvature of the earth. Yeah. Or a better, a better yeah, there's car. something yeah. out there. Better plane in your, you know, in your case, let's talk about airplanes, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Well, the best plan is always the next one, uh, but uh, that's a different story. So when you wrote in the book, one of the things that I just fell in love with is chapter 10, Leave a Legacy. Now, it's probably obvious to some people why I love that chapter, Leave a Legacy, but at the very beginning of it, there's a quote in there, and it says, to impact the world, we have to get our hands yeah. dirty. And I look at our folks out in the field and they're in a struggle. They're in a struggle just to get, there's a lot of pressure in this industry to get stuff done. There's a lot of pressure to get home. There's a lot of pressure to be safe. There's just a lot of pressure. How does getting our hands dirty make a difference? Yes, yeah, that's a great question. Um, to your question of uh, what does uh, getting our hands dirty mean and, and how does it make a difference? You know, I, I find that sometimes when people uh, rise in leadership uh, profile or economic um, standards, we can kind of create this isolated little world around us where everything's perfect. You know, we live in a gated community, and I only hang out with people in my peer group. And, and it's kind of back to that mentoring idea, that mentoring is, is not a, a simple, easy, programmatic thing. It's a human thing. And uh, we all desire that. We want somebody who will take the time to get to know us. We want somebody that um, loves us. We want somebody that has our best interests in mind, that will call us to the best version of ourselves. right? That's what we're looking for. And so once we know that that's what we want, we need to conclude that's what other people want. And that process is, is very much an up-close and, and personal and, you know, again um, – you know, we're all free human beings. We shouldn't have to get pulled into somebody else's psychodrama much further than we really want to go, right? And we know that you have to have healthy boundaries, but we do have to get close enough to people to understand them and look them in the eye and have it, that empathy. And frankly, we need it. I can tell you, I need it. You know, I just came back from a, a little ministry trip to Albania, Macedonia. We drove across Kosovo. One of the reasons I do that is it keeps me connected with reality because what I live in is not reality for 99% of the world, right? And so kind of common theme. Getting our hands dirty means mixing it up with real people and um, being a, a, a blessing to them to the extent you can without getting, you know, pulled too far afield from what you feel called to do. So, Seth, you have a broad, um, almost unheard of experience across the wireless ecosystem. You've seen the integrator side. You've seen the construction side. You've seen the the DAS and small cell side. You started the Safer Building Coalition. You, you've done so many things. As you look back on your career at that, quote, legacy, unquote, that you've left, um, what, what are some of the things that you're really the most proud of? You know, I think uh, the work of the, the coalition um, stands out because um, it was a reminder to me that I don't get all the gifts. Like, I had the idea for it, and I was put in front of the FCC, and I got to talk about it, and then people rallied around it. But really, it's been other leaders who were introduced to me from people I respected that have gotten it to where it is. And uh, it's just a and what I like about the coalition is it solved a problem nobody was focusing on, which was how do we make sure first responder radios work inside these big buildings? And everybody's like, well, isn't that just happening? We're like, no, it doesn't happen 
automatically. It happens when the building codes get rewritten to say you must do this or it won't happen. Um, yeah. And to be and it's to, not pixie dust either, is it? It's not. <laughs> no, it's it's it looks like elbow grease. And and I think that. Uh, but also that was born from us taking an opportunity. We brought a company called Solid into the U.S. market. They're a DAS OEM, and in Solid specifically said, we want to go after the ability to do cellular and public safety on the same systems. And nobody had thought of that before. And so I loved that it was very innovative and disruptive. And of course, right now, there's a bunch of reasons why you don't combine the systems. But back then, it made a lot of sense before LTE. And so those innovations and kind of the risks that were taken and the fact that over time, they, they proved out to be the right decision. You know, I, I have a lot of uh, industry pride in that. And frankly, being able to build a team from scratch to, to being a, you know, a top tier provider was, uh, was a privilege of a lifetime, I think. So. Well, that's awesome. And I want to tell you that I have a message for our Antivity family. Number one, um, Seth has taught me so many things. Number one, first of all, that ambition is not a bad thing, but we need to tailor it, temper it and make it work for a greater good, and then also to be grateful. Much like my mom in her declining years, she proved to me that she was grateful. And you also have shown me how to be a little bit more grateful, and I thank you for that. So thanks for being here, Seth, and for providing us information about about you and about what's going on with Cathedral and and uh, and being a grateful. I encourage everybody to go buy the book, Ambition, Leading with Gratitude. If you need a copy, I will send you a copy. And uh, like always, Antivity family, thank you for being here. And until next Thursday, let's all choose safety today. This is Jim, and I am out.